are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are Locked On Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. America's guest, Jason Hirshhorn, on the show today and tomorrow. We are not going to do a live show tomorrow. No injuries to update you on. We may still do a live just for fun, um, just to have people come and hang out. But the podcast in your feed will be Jason and I. Today, we are going to do awards. We are going to do Coach of the Year, MVP, Executive of the Year, Jason and I have votes, PFWA, um, Pro Football Writers Awards, and we're going to talk about those today. We are going to do our first team offenses and defenses tomorrow. So uh, part of that is because we ran a little bit long <laughs> doing the first part uh, because Jason and I like to run a little bit long. Um, and, and that's why we started a newsletter because we didn't have enough to say. So we needed to give you more opportunities to hear us and really it was more opportunities for us to be heard and and to provide you guys with that content before we get there though um just quickly i want to let you know uh practice um Zedaria smith is back fully back check the boxes he was out at practice um billy turner did individual work on Wednesday. He is working his way back um, off the COVID list. So he has a chance. This offensive line has a chance to be as intact as it could be with Elton Jenkins done for the season. Now they did add Lucas Patrick to the COVID-19 list. This is an important thing because the bye week makes it so He's going to be in good shape to play. Now, the Wednesday COVID positive means you can't play. Um, certainly, if it were a Saturday game, he wouldn't be able to play. They have the bye, so that's not a problem. If this was a Tuesday test, they announce Wednesday. That's usually what they do. Then he would have had a chance to play this weekend. Either way, bye week's important. Not just because of stuff like this. They don't have to play. That's the best part is some of these teams, some of these underdog teams are going to lose. Excuse me. Some of these underdog teams are going to beat favorites. And Green Bay can avoid that at least for one week. You're only assured of avoiding it for one week. And so for them to be getting this healthy is pretty remarkable. So what we're going to do with the awards um, with Jason and I is, is do it through a Packers lens. Um, are there Packers involved in this? Did we consider Packers? And then talk broadly about some of these, these awards, some of these um, spots on our list. And so... For the Packers, um, I, I, I like where they are because they're bringing three guys who, if they had been on the field all season, would probably have been on these lists. Before we get to Jason, let's talk about our friends at OnlineGambling.com. Plenty of opportunities for you to make your picks Playoff football is the best when it comes to gambling. Um, at week 18, it starts because you're you're getting the playoff spots. It feels like a playoff game. You have the opportunity to get the most info by going to onlinegambling.com. Keep an eye on there for all of the information that you need. They're trying to make you feel like you have an advantage. 
get the edge that other gamblers aren't getting and you're going to have fun. And guess what? You're going to have a lot more fun when you win. Guess how you win? You get the best data, the best information available and that is at OnlineGambling.com. So make sure you visit OnlineGambling.com slash NFL for your latest gambling news, tips, and info to beat the odds and give you the edge throughout the playoffs. That's OnlineGambling.com slash NFL to make the most of this year's playoffs. We are joined now by America's guest. You can find him on The Leap. You can find him uh, all over the internet writing about the NFL, writing about the Green Bay Packers. Jason Hershorn, my friend and yours. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well, Peter. It's it's. I'm glad that you were able to get me back on so soon after. I, I noticed you'd been getting in the habit of pushing me off for like a month and a half plus at a time. So good that I can really reaffirm my title as America's guest. <laughs> that is not true. Uh, I, I never brush you off. Anytime you uh, ask to come on, you are always coming on. And this time, the last time you came on, I reached out to you and said, Hey, it's been a, been a while. Please come back on. So let, let the record reflect, please. Your honor. Yeah. When Lily and the other ones can't come on, I suppose you do come to me. <laughs> That's enough. All right. We are going to do, uh, awards and, um, our, our PFWA ballots, uh, we are going to do this in two parts. We're going to do the big awards and defense today, mostly focused around players who have a consideration on the Green Bay Packers because we are, after all, a Packers show. But we're going to do our full ballots such that that we have them finished at this point. They're not due for another couple of days here. So we do have some time to finish them. But but Jason and I have gone ahead and, and done what we can here. Let's start with the big award. Uh, Bad guy of the year. <laughs> uh, most valuable vaccinated player. Jason, who did you go with? Well, the answer is Aaron Rodgers. And <laughs> I think you and I have made various versions of this argument in other forums, including The Leap, including on social media. And I think it's fair to say that this season has not been as good for Aaron Rodgers as it was in 2020 right. or in 2011, his first MVP season. But that's not the sole consideration. It's relative to the competition. And I think this says a lot about the field because we know voters, and we're not just talking about for the PFWA awards, they don't like repeat winners of the MVP award. They usually like to go in different directions. And there's arguments for or against that approach. But that Rodgers is back in serious consideration, if not the literal front runner, says that really nobody else who could be a consideration for this award really made a compelling argument. What I think is also really fascinating, because I mean, we know that over the years, you are held to previous standards, right? So even if you have an awesome season, if you had a season where you were incredible the season before, usually voters, to your point, are just not as interested in voting for you. And and by no measure, basically, is Aaron Rodgers as good in 2021 as he was in 2020, and yet he is the favorite to win this award. What I find interesting is... When I would like go over the the advanced metrics, EPA per play and completion percentage above expectation, he was consistently through the second half of the season, especially leading the entire league in all those metrics, and yet wasn't as good as the year before. I don't think we can dock him because the league as a whole offensively came down, right? I mean, that's that's not we only have the data in front of us, which is the 2021 season to compare it to. 
Yeah, and that was going to be my next point is that offenses across the league have struggled relative to what they did in 2020 and to a certain degree in 2019. So this is a league-wide phenomenon. And relative to what the league is doing, Rodgers is still far and away the best option for this. So yeah, we can in a vacuum compare 2021 Rodgers and 2020 Rodgers and see that it's not a one-to-one comparison, but again, 2020 Rodgers doesn't have to play in the 2021 NFL with those defenses. They are performing much better this season. So I, I think in context, when you're looking at it within the season, Rodgers has still been very impressive. Not 2020 impressive, but still very impressive. So the offensive player of the year is interesting because you and I view this differently. You are uh, the kind of voter who says, if I'm if I have an MVP who's an offensive player, it sh- he should be offensive player of the year. That's just how this works. I have come to the conclusion that because quarterbacks are so disproportionately valuable that they are just the MVP every year, a quarterback. And so let's reward an offensive player if there's a deserving one for being superlative at what he does. Um, Let's just start there. What do you think of that tact? Destroy my take on that. Well, I don't think it's necessarily intellectually disingenuous to look at it that way, that being the best offensive player, being the most valuable player, usually an offensive player, are not the same thing. But we know that generally that's not how this award is handed out. Yes, quarterback value is so much greater than any other position, but it's also the hardest position to play. Even in the modern NFL, when you know the rules have been changed, offenses have developed ways to make life for the quarterback easier, it's still so much harder to play quarterback than any other position. It's why teams consistently, when they need a quarterback, will do things like trade multiple first-round picks for the chance to draft someone they think might be that guy. So the best quarterback is probably going to be not just the MVP most seasons, but also the best offensive player. And putting the quarterback part aside, just I still think of these awards as basically being like, the MVP is the overall best player, and the other two are like that side of the ball's best player. And necessarily, if you think one's the MVP, he should be the best player on that side of the ball. But, you know, intelligent minds can disagree on how to approach this. All right. Well, luckily, we do not have intelligent minds on this podcast today. So that is what we have to deal with here. Um, if if you viewed it the way that I viewed it, do you have a do you have a take? I'll, I'll tell you who I'm voting for. But do, do you have an idea of, of is do you think someone else would be worthy if you viewed it the way I viewed it? It's really hard to say because and I think we're going to get into a version of this conversation when we get to the position group that I think that you're going to be discussing, or at least one of them. So I'll hold my thoughts until we get there. But I, I do have a slight suspicion as to where you're going. So I, I don't I don't know if you are. I, I'm voting for Jonathan Taylor. That's what I thought you were. I, I, I had a strong suspicion, having seen your tweets throughout the years, that Jonathan Taylor was going to make an appearance on this list and not just for running back. And and I, I will never vote for Jonathan Taylor for MVP. Just not going to happen. He didn't have even say a better season than Derrick Henry a few seasons ago when he rushed for two thousand yards. But his his value to the Colts, if he didn't create offense for them, they were screwed. And I, I wanted to reward the season that he had. We talk about quarterbacks dragging teams to the playoffs. He dragged them to the precipice of the playoffs with the the the. the, the decrepit body of Carson Wentz under center. And so I just wanted to reward that season. Um, Defensive player of the year. I'm also going to have to sell you on this one. I I picked Micah Parsons. 
And I picked Micah Parsons, the, the 13 sacks, 65 pressures via Sports Info and Solutions. Um, he led all defensive players in points saved, which is a metric I love. We're going to talk more about that metric a little bit later. That defense took off because Micah Parsons is on it. And you bring in Dan Quinn. I did not think that was an inspired move. Micah Parsons fundamentally changed the Cowboys defense. And I think that is worth rewarding. TJ Watt missed a group of games. A lot of his sacks are on schemed up pressures and effort, something that Brandon Thorne has talked a lot about, friend of the show. And and I just I think he was the most impactful defender for his team compared to anyone else in football. I think that actually is a very compelling argument. And one of the things that you you mentioned in terms of a metric that covers this, but we need to highlight specifically is he's not rushing the passer all the time, right. yet those numbers really stand out. They move him around, not just positionally, but in terms of roles within the defense. He's in coverage a lot. And there's an argument that many will make, and there is some validity to it in certain situations. Why are you putting such an effective pass rusher into coverage? And the answer is, if you keep moving it around, the offense does not know what you plan to do with him. It's another thing that the quarterback and the offensive line have to consider pre-snap. And Micah Parsons is also really good in coverage. So I do think there is a really compelling case for Micah Parsons. And one way or another, we're going to talk about him when we get to some of the other awards. But my only hesitation is, or my biggest hesitation, I should say, is, are we just doing the old NBA thing where we're not going to vote for Michael Jordan every year because it would be boring? <laughs> and the answer here is Aaron Donald. because. Aaron Donald, you know, Hummo was just the most dominant interior defensive player, the most dominant defensive line player, and, and probably the most dominant overall defensive player, period. I, I do think that there's a little more uh, disagreement possible there, but he was awesome again this year. He was. And and look, I, I, I'm never going to fault anyone who takes that side of it. Um, I am generally the person that takes that side of it. There were, I don't know if it was two or three years ago, he had a a down year. I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see. And I still voted for him. I was just like, no, he's the best player. He's the best defensive player in the league. And and so maybe I'm maybe I'm not uh, adhering to my own structures there. All right. So coach of, coach of the year and executive of the year. are. Do you have a Packer at either one of these spots? I do. Should I say which one or do you please. want to? No, no, please. Please it longer. So Matt LaFleur is my coach of the year. And Same. I started to feel like it was down to a two, maybe three person race, probably going into the last week or two of November. And then at that time, I thought it was going to be Bill Belichick, which I didn't have a problem with because we collectively do not recognize greatness with Bill Belichick as offense. We should like, we, we say that he's the best coach of his generation and maybe the best football coach ever, but then we don't like reward him with the coach of the year award very right. often. So it's, it's that weird thing where the coach of the year is the like guy who performs better than expectation uh, to a greater degree than anybody else. But the Patriots were not expected to be a dynamo this year. It was a question as to whether or not they'd even make the playoffs. And while they didn't win their division, they did indeed, you know, at one point late in the season, they were leading it. They did make the playoffs as a wild card. So there was a compelling argument there, but Matt LaFleur dealt with a ton of issues, you know, not just the offensive line falling apart at various times, uh, not just all the defensive issues that you know that even though he's an offensive-minded head coach, he still has to deal with, uh, the various things involving Aaron Rodgers, his availability, his toe, all of these things. And we saw some of the best game plans that Malifor and that coaching staff had ever produced, which is a high bar to clear. You know, we wrote extensively about 
what he did to game plan against the San Francisco 49ers early in the season when it was going to have to be Josh Nijman in, I believe, his first start, certainly his first start this season, yep. against a incredible an incredible defensive front. And you just it just wasn't a problem. Like in Josh Nijman's turned out to be a pretty decent player, but again, first start, he's coming in for Elton Jenkins, and they build a game plan so different than what they normally do, yet so effective. We saw other versions of this over the course of the season. So LaFleur has shown, and again, we wrote about this a lot at the leap, that he's not just a really good coach for this version of the Packers, that he is capable of adapting to almost any issue. You know, there's going to be a threshold for any coach. You can't coach around or scheme around every deficiency, but there really hasn't been that many deficiencies that he hasn't proven capable of overcoming. So this year, given where the Packers are, I had a hard time voting against him in the end. I think the the thing that sold it for me was you mentioned that 49er game and they went spread. They went five wide, now not five receivers, but they they went empty a lot. They used that chip release and that couldn't have been more different from how he attacked Arizona, where they went heavy, where they ran the ball, where it was the Randall Cobb show. I mean, they still went empty because that's what they do with Aaron Rodgers, but the, the totally different personnel, different issues, and they were able to make it work with out Devontae Adams, without MBS, without Alan Lazard, that was the moment where I was like, oh, he could actually win this award. And the offensive line stuff never got better. We were like, well, when David Bakhtiari gets back. Oh, when Josh Myers get back. Well, they never got back. And then you lose Randall Cobb for the rest of the season. So I, I, I'm with you all the way. I, I think there is a compelling case, and it's it looks like Mike Vrabel is going to win it. Um, he is the favorite right now. I don't know that that's the right thing, but uh, that's, can we um, talk about that for a second? It's not that I'm trying to bury Mike Vrabel with what I'm about to say, but the AFC is really, really down. And yeah, and the AFC South especially sucks. Yes. And they overcame the loss of Derrick Henry, who is the fulcrum of that offense that matters. But how much do you want to credit a team or a coach with kind of Cosmo cramming their way into the number one seed. I mean, you know, the advanced metrics support this. This is the worst number one seed, or the, the, by like DVOAs in particular, the worst number one seed a con- or seed a conference has ever had, at least during that era of DVOA. So, you know, they overcame issues. You you can't, you know, eliminate the fact that Mike Vrabel was a part of that. But I also feel like this is, I think it was like five or six years ago when. The Dallas Cowboys finished with one of the top seeds and Jason Garrett won the won the award. And I'm not trying to say Mike Vrabel is Jason Garrett. My point is, <laughs> I think sometimes we look at the seeds and we sort of forget the context and forget what these coaches are or are not actually contributing. And we let that guide the vote. Whereas Matt, or Matt LaFleur had a much harder job. Not that Vrabel's job was not difficult, but LaFleur had to do more to overcome the issues. And he did. And for that reason, I, I think he's the correct choice. Um, I'm with you. Um, and 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 do you have like if if we expanded? Well, just tell me who is your executive of the year? It's Bill Belichick. That's who I have. How how close were you to considering Brian Gutekunst? Well, the biggest issue with 
Gudikens' case is that so many of the things that you can hold up in support of him didn't technically happen during this season mm. or the offseason too. Like Yash Nyman being the number three option left tackle working out is great. And it speaks to what Brian Gudikens in that front office has done. They brought him in uh, you know, several years ago and the coaching staff developed him and all that is true. But it, it's kind of hard for me to sort of credit Gudikens in 2021 for that. And some people will say that you can include that context. Some people say you can't. And I don't really know which one is the right answer. But we saw from where the Patriots were at the end of the 2020 season to what they are now, a significant turnover in personnel. And even though not all of those moves worked amazingly, and you could argue in many cases they paid more than they should have, I mean, they have a rookie quarterback who, even if they're very limited in terms of what they call for him, is overall playing reasonably well. That's not easy to say for any rookie quarterback. I think like Justin Herbert and recent quarterbacks have sort of spoiled us on that. And they've cobbled together a pretty effective offense without really any field tilting weapons. They have a lot of good, capable players, but no one who the opposing defense has to fixate on. And that's because of all the various things that Belichick and that team have done this offseason to enhance the roster. Also, the defensive moves. You know, Matt Judon didn't really crack the defensive player of the year conversation, but his numbers are pretty good. You know, they picked him up. You know, it, they paid a lot for him, but it has proved to be money well spent at least through one year. So you add all that together and just in the context of 2021, I think that's a stronger case. Let me make the I, I Bill Belichick was my vote, too, but let me make the Gudikins case. So it. Randall Cobb is GM Aaron Rodgers. So I'm going to take that out of the equation for a second. <laughs> Russell Douglas has come in and played at an extremely high level at cornerback. They took him off a practice squad. He has won them games, like sealed the Cardinals game, pick six against the Lions, huge moments in big games for Green Bay. That is one of the best in-season acquisitions, probably the best in-season acquisition in the league. And Devondre Campbell has to be the best August acquisition in the league. He's come in and played at an all-pro level. And then you add in... You know, they, they didn't get uh, the 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 top-level production from Josh Myers and Amari Rodgers and some of those other guys, but Eric Stokes came in and took over that cornerback role and has been outstanding his rookie season, has stabilized that cornerback room with Kevin King having the injuries, Jair Alexander having the injuries. If you look at just those three guys, I think that that is a, a pretty big win for someone like Brian Gutekinds, to your point. A lot of the stuff that that makes this team what it is has come from previous seasons, the depth that was built um, along the, the offensive line or A.J. Dillon coming in and, and giving them huge opportunities. Josiah DeGuara coming in and stepping in with Big Bob Tunyon going down. That's that's previous year stuff. But I think I think there is a case for Brian Gutekinds, even if I don't think he is the deserving winner. Yeah, I, I co-sign all of that. And you know, it has been a tremendous campaign, especially consider where it started for Brian Gutekunst, right? Like there was a point in time when it seemed that it was either going to be Rogers or Gutekunst. And you and I talk both, you know, online and privately that if it comes down to an executive or a future Hall of Fame quarterback, it's not really a choice, even if the Packers are going to turn it into one. No. And to go from that conversation to the conversation of executive of the year is tremendous. So in a slightly different year where Belichick didn't do what he did, I think Gutekunst would have easily won it and maybe he still will, but you know, there is a little competition, but it is strong competition at the, at the top. All right. We have already run long, which is what we always do when we have Jason on, we are going to go through our awards or our, our, our ballot with 
the Packers players who we had in discussions or who we voted for in terms of the first team offense and defense. We will have that on the podcast for you tomorrow. All right. I want to thank Jason for joining us on the show today. He'll be back tomorrow um, and, and we will have even more fun putting together our first team lists, some Packers. I think there's going to be some surprises, so it's going to be a really fun show. Make sure you check in for that. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Get Upside. Some of my listeners are making 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash using Get Upside. Some people who drive a lot, they're making as much as two or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back. Why wouldn't you want free money? 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code TOUCHDOWN. And today's episode is also brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online, the number one place for all of your sports betting, football especially. Like I said, football, the NFL playoffs, the best time to be gambling. New updated uh, website, desktop and mobile. Sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available to you for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, like I said, we're going to be back tomorrow with Jason Hershorn. More of our awards. I think it's a good primer for the playoffs because you get to see, okay, where where are the elite players? Who has that elite talent? Who's in the playoffs that has it and who doesn't? So, um, and, and it's a good way to prep to see, oh, this team, you know, the 49ers. There's a couple guys on this list who they're, they're going to be scary. So that's just something to keep in mind here as we move forward. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. To stay Locked on Packers.